don't think that's trans. I just think that's stuff we have to work on with our inner child. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Louis Burke on Little Burke, the place where we believe your sense of self starts with home. Today we're going to be talking about trends. Is it a trend or is it a movement? Is it timeless? Is it classic? There are so many different categories that we can put lots of things into. And then also there's something about a bell curve, which I think you might find interesting. So without further ado, let's get into it. So when I say the word trend, what do you think of? Is it a good thing, a bad thing? I find working in the design world, trends are considered a good thing. It's usually something to you know, incorporate into your work, to add a little bit of flair, a little bit of fun. And I think that's what trends should be. Sometimes I think people's perception of trends are bad because it kind of relates back to when you were at school and if you didn't have the coolest gadget, you were considered less than. I don't think that's trends. I just think that's stuff we have to work on with our inner child. <laughs> um, trends should just be something that's a little bit fun, try it out. And then once you're over it, pass it on to someone else. I think that's the most sustainable way to do it. There's definitely some stuff around sustainability when it comes to trends, especially in the fashion world. But when we talk about trends, are things trends or are they movements? Because I'd like to use a fashion example first because I think fashion's easier to talk about when it comes to trends and movements. So jeans. Skinny leg jeans and then straight leg jeans, what's the norm? Well, if you were to ask me about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, skinny leg jeans were the norm. More people wore skinny legs than they did any other style of jean. And take this, you know, keep in mind, jeans have a lot of different styles. There's flare, boot cut, wide, straight, carrot, you know, skinny, all things under the sun. Everyone was wearing skinny leg jeans and now progressively as we've gone on, we moved up to a higher waist straight cut jean inspired by the classic Levi's 501s. And when I speak to some people my age and a little bit older, they're like, oh, I don't really want to, especially my friend's boyfriend, surprisingly. They don't want to stay, like they don't want to go away from the skinny leg jean because they're a little bit afraid because they think the straight cut jean is not I don't know what it is, to be honest with you, but they just don't like it. Now, the straight cut jean, I would say, arguably, is becoming the more norm jean. And it's a movement because it's not to say necessarily that you can't wear skinny leg jeans. It's the same as if you like, you can wear a boot cut jean or a flared jean. Because to be honest with you, in these times, I feel like everyone's wearing every kind of jean under the sun. But I would say the argument would be if you would have go into like Chadston, you would see more straight cut jeans than you would skinny leg jeans. And please use your reference to any big shopping center, wherever you may be, be it Bondi, Green Hills, wherever. Actually, depending on where you are too, it could really determine whether or not skinny leg jeans are the thing. But I'm just saying in general fashion norms, the straight leg jean is now the norm. The skinny leg jean is now a part of the other realm the other styles of jeans that people wear. I feel like there's been a lot of resistance to the straight cut jean, especially on TikTok, because I can down a, like I'll go down a rabbit hole on TikTok where there'll be millennial girls helping other millennial girls how to dress in the office. And they'll go, this is my outfit one of what I used to wear. And this is what I would do instead. And usually it's a skinny leg jean with a tight tank top with a fitted blazer. And then she swaps it over to being a wider cut trouser with an oversized blazer. 
and then a tank underneath. And all the comments underneath usually are like, oh my God, I would never wear this. It's so ill-fitting and blah, blah, blah. And I think looking at fashion and how it is now versus what it was, everything before was very bodycon. It was very body conscious. And I feel like it's basically a rollover effect from the early 90s and early 2000s where thin was in and also hyper-femininity was in too versus now... The workplace is a little bit more inclusive. It's a bit more diverse. Fashion's a little bit more inclusive of sizing. And I also think like closing that gender pay gap has been a big thing too. So I think what's happened is there's been this exaggeration of different classic silhouettes traditionally found in menswear being worn to sort of symbolize those things. So an oversized blazer and an oversized trouser, you know, I think it's rep- it's like it's a representation of I'm here, I'm a professional, treat me seriously. But also I want it to be fashionable because it's fashion, you know what I mean? Versus the more body conscious sort of side of things and hyper femininity side of things. I just I just think it's just we're in a different realm now. You know? I th- and it's like that's the reason why I would argue that skinny leg jeans versus straight leg jean versus early 2000s versus now, we can see that the fashion has changed in accordance to sort of our belief system. Now, this is a lot more visible in more urban, dense areas versus outer, if that makes sense. But it's kind of like what I've seen. And let me know what you think, whether or not this is the case or not. So then when we move into interiors with this kind of concept... I think when we talk about trends, a lot of people are saying now that, you know, creamy beiges, earthy tones, textures are all really in. Versus 10 to 15 years ago, it was more about greys, jewel tones like emeralds, and there was lots of navy kitchens, if you remember, with white marble and gold hardware. So when we look at those two and we make the comparison, there's just kind of been a movement away because I because w- there's also been a lot of talk about white kitchens, right? And they say white kitchens are not in anymore, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you could say that a white kitchen is ever out of date because it's a classic, you know? It's the same thing with a skinny leg jean, to be honest. It's a classic now. It's just not the main norm. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with the kitchens. They're not the main norm, but you can definitely still have them and they're classic, timeless, never going to go, you know? So, but what I want to focus in here with the white is the hue and the tonality of the white. So when we look at the hue of something, you have on the left-hand side, blue, and then on the furthest right-hand side, yellow. And then right in the middle is neutral. And as you would know if you've been to Bunnings, there are tens of thousands of whites. And all these whites have different hues in them. I'd only want to use blue and yellow in this example. You can do red, purple, green, blah, 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 but it's too confusing. So blue and yellow. Seven to 15 years ago, the white had moved from neutral further down to a little bit more of a blue shade. So everything was more cool toned. So cool toned white, cool toned greys, emerald greens, rubies, navy. And as we've gone through to now, that little toggle has moved up through to neutral and now more sitting in between the neutral and yellow. So things are more creamy. They're more beigey. There's more browns. So if you were to go and approach a modern white kitchen of today, you're more likely going to be sitting in this neutral to yellow side of things versus 15 years ago, you were sitting in the cool tones. Does that make sense? I think it's really interesting 
Because there are other things like trends, like at the moment people would say that archways are trends, which I think an archway definitely is a trend. It's a classic, but it's a trend. I don't think it's going to be around forever. But rounded furniture, curves, organic forms, it's all coming from referencing to outside, which to be honest, they're also saying that there's like more windows. And another trend that's come about is more rooms and less open planned living. And this is all stemmed from the pandemic because the pandemic lasted around, depending on where you live, like two to three years. It's still going on in some other countries. And I think what the reference is, the curved furniture, the natural materials, the earth tones, it's all relating to being outside because we weren't able to be outside for so long. We were yearning to have some outside in our interiors because we weren't able to get out. Same thing with the walls. We wanted to build walls back up because we wanted to have more privacy in our home and more dedicated spaces, especially offices. We wanted to have our home office to separate work from home, get that work-life balance going. You know what I mean? And same thing with kitchens as well. Like all these workspaces, like you know, we were zoning our places in our home because we were only in our homes. And the things that we wanted in our homes were things that we were seeing outside because we always want things that we can't have. So I think it's really interesting just when you look at trends, it's always fun to go, well, what's happening around me societally? You know what I mean? Like what's going on in my space and what's a trend and what's a movement? I feel like a trend cycle can really last maybe one to two years, especially in interiors, but in fashion, it moves a lot quicker. And if you're on TikTok, it lasts like two days. But I think what's really interesting is boucle. Now, boucle furniture is that fluffy little furniture. It kind of looks like sheep's, like sheep wool. Um, I'm sure you've seen it around. And it's been around since probably 2019. And I really like to talk about and refer to this with the bell curve theory. It's also known formally as the, I did a little bit of Googling. It's called the Innovation Adoption Curve that was created in 1962 by Everett Rogers. It's a method on explaining how, why, and the rate at which innovation spreads through a population or social system. And I want to use boucle as the topic. So imagine a bell or the drawing of a bell. And then on the bottom left-hand side of the bell, there is innovators. And then slightly up the bell, there's the early adopters. And then up towards probably the middle of the bell, it's considered early majority. And then off to the other side, it's late majority. And then down on the other right-hand side of the bell, it's called the laggards. So, or the laggers, let's just say laggers because it's easier than laggards. So we've got innovators, early adopters, early majority, the late majority, and the laggards. So 2.5% are considered the innovators. These are the people inventing the trend. So boucle was originally around in the 1940s and it was custom done furniture for people who could afford it. This is the thing too. I definitely think the bell curve is um, very much a representation of how much money you have as well. So I'm not going to ignore that there. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely to do with what you can afford, but I think this is where it relates to, right? So innovators, 2.5% making that custom furniture for people in their homes back in the 1940s who could afford it. So then we move on to the early adopters where it's kind of returned a little bit. And the first time that I really saw Boucle in 2019 was Athena Calderon's home. She's this interior designer based in New York City. She has her own podcast. Um, and she had a Boucle chair in her home, which is an original from the 1940s. So she would be considered an early adopter. I was obsessed with the Boucle, but I couldn't access it because we were in Australia 
which I think is another thing to think about too. Your geolocation really determines uh, where you sit on the bell curve as well. Um, but she had it and then slowly other people had it like Jake Arnold, who's another interior designer, Colin King. So people who were sort of in that interior scene who are slight, like, you know, considerably wealthy, I would say, who could afford to get these original vintage pieces. They also aren't afraid to adopt the boucle furniture. It's a bit of a risk at this time because no one else is doing it. But is that, like, is it a big risk for people that kind of have the funds? No. Does that make sense? Like, you can buy the chair and then if it doesn't work, you can move on. Whereas, you know, regular Joe can't go out and buy a custom chair or a vintage chair and it's like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? So then we move on to the early majority. So I would say that the innovators and early adopters are really sitting around that 2019 era. Your early majority focuses more in the 2020 to 2021. So this is where we start to see it pop up in more of those bougie interior home scene. So you could think like Coco Republic, you could think Globe West, you could think CB2 if you're American. It's sort of becoming more accessible to the public. It's still kind of in its thousands of dollars marks though. So it's not exactly a, like, you know, accessible just yet. Like you could probably find something in the $800 mark, like a boucle chair, you know, it's kind of moved from being in the tens of thousands down to the thousand eight hundred to thousand dollar mark. And the early majority are taking that on. So they're people who are conscious of their interiors, know what's going on in the scene, want to pick up a boucle piece of furniture because they've seen these early adopters do it and they want to take it on. Now, the late majority and the laggers, they're not interested in boucle. They don't really know what it is. They don't really know about interiors. They don't shop in boutique stores. They're more big box store kind of buyers. So when we move into like your 2021, 2022, that's where the late majority starts to come in, that 34%. This is where it starts to come out in more like your Ikea's and your Kmart's even, I would say. And that's where it really starts to come into the hundreds of dollars kind of mark. Um, I think it's really interesting to do the price comparison too with this as well. So late majority, that's sort of like where people who aren't really interested in interiors, they go into Kmart and they see a cute chair and they're like, oh my God, I love that chair. Oh, I saw my friend buy one from CB2 or Coco Republic, but you know, I'm going to get that too. I can, I can jump on that trend, you know? And then moving down now to late 2022 and 2023, I've recently saw a boucle bench in Aldi for like $45, $50. And that's the trend cycle of boucle. That's where we're at. It feels like everyone who's anyone who knows something about interiors has, or at least has heard of boucle because it's made its way throughout the whole cycle of that bell curve. And I would love to know where you think you sit on the bell curve. Are you an innovator, an early adopter, an early majority, a late majority, or a lagger? Because, and this doesn't necessarily mean it's like where you shop regularly, because I would consider myself to be an early adopter, although I don't have the budget to be an early adopter. I think I'm very conscious of what's around, what's coming in. Like I think brown is a colorway in fashion. I've been seeing brown since probably 2018 and being obsessed with brown, you know, and even the same thing, like early innovators, high fashion labels are reducing the brown fashion. And then the early adopters, you know, you could argue that early adopters are also small businesses. So you can jump on the trend a little bit earlier 
and a little bit more affordably if you find a small business that's willing to take the risk to stand out amongst the big box stores. That's another time where you can kind of find the early adopters too. So like brown fashion, I was sort of seeing it around and versus all the way through to probably about now, I'm seeing it in Country Road a lot. The brown, it sort of appeared. It appeared in seed last year, but it was a little bit more warm tone than it was the cool tone browns that we're sort of seeing at the moment. So I've sort of seen it now over the last year or so sort of start to come into more fashion. So it won't be long until brown is really big and like your targets and your Kmart's with late majority. It's just really interesting. I really hope that, you know, you've taken this away, like thinking of movements and thinking about the bell curve and going, where is this sitting right now? Where do I feel like I'm fitting in? Do I like this? Do I not like this? Because if you are really against something and you kind of don't like change maybe you're more the late majority maybe you want to wait like take out the risk do you know what I mean like and that's why I think it relates to funds as well and why it relates to trends because depending on how much you're willing to spend on something I think really does affect where you sort of um end up with in terms of not necessarily um like where you are on the bell curve, but more where you're sitting in terms of comfortability with a trend. And I think if you change your perception of trends just more being a fun approach to something versus, oh, I don't want to go with that because that's what cool people do and cool people aren't very nice, you know? I think that's sort of what, what I mean. Because I, I, like I said before, I think affordability-wise, you could find a small business who is taking on that early adoption of a trend to counter big box stores um, and buy it there. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Another thing that I wanted to talk about as well when I talked about geolocation is it's very interesting to see the interior design scheme that people are going with in different countries. In Australia, because we're majority, I would say, you know, it's a beachy kind of concept as a town and a country. You know, lots of whites, lots of jutes, lots of straws, grasses, you know, rent, white rendered walls. That's kind of the concept of what the world would probably consider Australia to be. Depending on where you are, it definitely changes. Like I'm originally from New South Wales and moved down to Melbourne and Melbourne is a lot more about jewel tones, mid-century modern art deco. And I think that's because the city was built during the gold rush which is a lot more about being a little bit more showy. Art Deco was definitely in its prime. It was about growing the city as quickly as possible. So it was built off a lot of pride and a lot of Art Deco glitz, you know what I mean? Versus Sydney towns, it's a little bit more about being close to the water, being more chill. And then if you head all the way up to Brisbane, Queensland, Gold Coast, it's very much that energy of being like chilled, laid back, relaxed, linen, you know? If, and it doesn't really move much from that area. And I think it's because we don't have um, a lot of history with that traditional interior design front, you know, versus the States or Europe. And I don't want to say it's because our country isn't old enough because I feel like that's ignoring our First Nation peoples. So I'd like to say that it's more in reference to just saying that interior design scene and decorating our homes hasn't really changed much. And I think that's based on the fact that it's not very old. So if we look at America, at the moment, their style is very transitional. And transitional means it's a take of traditional and contemporary it's um it's like in between it's a mix of it so what it is it's like incorporating new with old 
and also having like new sofa shapes and silhouettes, which are very clean lines, and then chucking in a vintage armchair. That's what transitional is. And it's very popular in the States at the moment. If you really like that style or you'd like to know more references about what that is, I highly recommend you look up Amber Interiors. Amber Lewis, I really think, took this trend and blew it up. She kind of did it before Studio McGee, and I think you'll see that. Like, if you followed McGee, that Transformation Homes thing on Netflix, you'll definitely um, see that her style is heavily inspired by Amber Interiors. Amber Lewis, you can even kind of see in terms of the tier, because Amber Lewis is a lot more high-end high residential. Studio McGee is definitely built up to that point, so don't get me wrong, those houses are like mini big mansions. But Amber Lewis did a collaboration with Anthrop Anthropology USA, and then Shane McGee did a collaboration with Target. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the way to kind of see... It's like the bell curve, right? Amber Lewis was an early adapter, whereas Shane McGee, I would say, would be more in the late majority, because it just depends on who their audience is. Um, so, but in a contemporary way, and it just feels like, I don't know, it's really beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is beautiful in its own way. And that, like, that is just not seen here in Australia, I don't think. Like, that, you could argue, yeah, some of it, blah, blah, blah. But if we go back to the innovation adoption curve, I would say that kind of style, that European traditional thing, is in innovators. It's in that 2.5%. I would say that the transitional style that we see like Amber Interiors and Studio McGee is sort of in early adopters. In America, it's definitely in the early majority, late majority phase because it's seen and accessible in Target now. But in Australia, it's way over into probably early adopters, early majority. You know what I mean? Because you can see like we're inspired by Europe and we're inspired by America, but we very much have our own style. And that's not to say that we don't enjoy colour. We definitely do, but I think we do it in our own way. Because when you think of like Kip and Co, Sage and Claire, it's a more fun approach to colour. And it's a lot more organic in shape versus the bold kind of colour we see in England. So I think that's something to look at. The interesting thing is that I think that the transitional sort of style is coming about in Australia, but I think a lot of people's perception is that we're not, I don't think they can really relate to the items. I don't feel like they're relating to the furniture because they just haven't been around in that time. We're a lot more obsessed with like, if we think vintage, we think mid-century and that sort of 50s, 60s, 70s, dark walnut timbers, ochre colored glass, smoked glass. That's very popular now. It's not so much the printed tapestries and sort of stuff that we're seeing in America that's an adaptation of what was originally in England. You know what I mean? I've sort of seen Country Road Home sort of adopt this transitional style, but in a mid-century kind of way. It's just really interesting to see that kind of movement and seeing brands who are inspired, like those early adopters who are working in these brands are trying to incorporate this sort of style that they see around and bringing it to Australia. And it's kind of interesting to watch it try and unfold here. Not to say that it won't work, because I definitely think it will. I just think it takes Australia a lot longer to move past that because we don't have, one, the population to really support a lot of two businesses to kind of do this sort of style. So we're sort of stuck in this white linen jute, you know, uh, era. 
I don't think it's bad. I like it. Like, obviously, you've seen me use jute rugs. I love a jute rug. I'll say it till the cows come home. And I also love white shears. So nothing wrong with that style. I just think it's interesting that when you look around, you might see something on Pinterest and go, oh, my God, I love that room. But then you're like, oh, but I can't get it because, you know, you'll do a Google and you'll find out that that item is super affordable at Target, but it's a Target in the USA. You know, we've all been there. I know. I know we have. So... I hope you found this episode interesting, guys. We've gone through a lot of things. We've covered a lot of ground. I hope I haven't been too, like, isolating. I hope you still relate to the things that I've said today and it's not been like a, oh, you know? But we've talked about trends. We've talked about movements. We've talked about the bell curve. And we've talked about the trends that we see overseas versus here in Australia. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to go and check out my socials at the moment. I'm doing a lot of things around Easter decor, also a few things around home decor, giving a couple of advice on how to make your rental feel like home. So go and check it out over at Louis Burke. And I've got a couple of journal entries too, focusing on autumn decor, Easter decor, and you name it, all over there on louisburkedesign.com. So until next time, I hope you have a great week. Bye.